I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello there, I hope you're all well. Um, sorry this has taken a little bit longer than usual to put up. I was up late last night and then I was attending the weekly coffee morning that some of us here um, host in NACE. I don't think I've mentioned it here in the podcast before. Basically it's a coffee morning for mums and dads um, or carers in the area that have young kids and kind of want something to do on a, a Monday morning and that seems to be a popular morning um, to help you get up and get started for the week. All are welcome. Um, we provide tea, coffee and we have loads of new toys coming next week. So there's little playstations for the kids. Um, it's a lovely safe uh, space. The doors are closed. No one can get in or out without any of us. Um, there's toilets, it's really clean, so it's just a nice area or a nice thing to have in your calendar. Um, and I'll actually tag the, I'll link the um, Instagram page because obviously sometimes, um, it doesn't happen very often that we can't host the morning because between the three of us, um, sometimes the kids are sick and we just can't make it out. But we're usually there on a, a Monday morning, I'll um, pop the link in the show notes, as I said, and everyone's welcome, you're more than welcome to join us. So I'm just back from the coffee morning and I'm getting a chance now to record this introduction. So also thank you to those of you who sent in your submissions this week. There's been loads of them. So it's really, it's giving me kind of the nod that I need to go ahead with two episodes a week. So I'm working on that as well. Um, another thing I want to mention is the change to kind of bring um, the podcast into two episodes a week. I have brought in a, basically a way to support the podcast. So to help me make that change um, and it's through ACAST so there's a link already in the show notes and um, there you can sign up for five euro a month either just to say thank you keep going here's a little bit of here's a little bit of cash just to um, keep the podcast afloat because there are overheads every month to keep the podcast going but also to get the episodes um, ad free so you can get that there I'll leave the link I think the link's already in the show notes um, 
and hopefully in January I've started contacting people um, to kind of bring their chats forward because we were tipping over into 2024 and I want people's memory of their birth experience to be to be I don't know there basically I don't want them to have to revisit something and it won't be as fresh in their memory so anyway this week I'm sharing my chat with Julie who talked to me she's currently pregnant and she's due in March but she spoke to me about her previous pregnancy and the birth of her son Julie's experience was during the height of COVID. Um, she, her parents and her sister were living in Japan at the time and she was really focused on and needed their support. Obviously, no doubt we need our family. Most of us need our family there um, throughout these huge changes in our lives. And um, thankfully, her mum did make it in time and she was there to support her. Her experience is quite difficult to listen to in parts. Um, she was assisted with forceps she did need to go into surgery um, to repair a tear that she had um, and she had an epidural in there which is something that she felt kind of really stung because she um, didn't get the epidural when she was giving birth Um, she had a really rough physical recovery and needed to go in for a DNC eventually um, to help remove the products of birth which is what they call um, all the the clots and she was passing blood for quite a while and she went into um, she was admitted twice she then goes on to talk about both her breastfeeding experience which was tough for her and also postnatal depression um she i don't she admits that she didn't realize she was struggling until she was diagnosed and then she's she felt quite different with that diagnosis as in for some people it's a relief but for her she felt oh gosh i've been struggling all this time without even knowing it she found the right support um after not initially clicking with a counselor she did find the right the right support and she is in a really good place now so i did ask her how she feels about giving birth again in march and she's in a really positive place which is just so nice to hear so i'll let you listen to julie's story thank you julie for sharing as much as you did um i think these stories are always so valuable as is every single birth story so it's a true honour when someone digs as deep as Julie did um, and shares so much of her life with us. So I really appreciate it, as I know all of you will. Thanks, Julie. So, Julie, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you for coming on to and offering to share your story this evening. I think it's going to be a really important conversation for a lot of people to hear. And a lot of people will connect with what you um, went through during the lockdowns and everything. So do you want to give us a little introduction to you and your family and then we'll talk about your pregnancy? Yes. So thank you for having me. Um, yeah. So basically, um, I have a two year old boy um, called Zeke and he was born in October 2020. So um, kind of right smack in the middle of. Yeah. Pandemic. Um, and. Yeah. Um, what was the what was the other question? Let's just chat about conception. So, how you felt pregnant? Did you plan your pregnancy? Um. Yeah. So, in the December before, um, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so I found out I was pregnant in the February. Um, and then December before, um, I've been having like quite a few gynae issues for like the last kind of two years before that. Um. Okay under investigation for things and then was diagnosed with um, polycystic ovaries in December so at the time like they were they were just like you know it's one of those things like it could be difficult to have kids so maybe mm. like start thinking about it 
Um, so at that stage, we were kind of like, okay, we'll think about it. Um, but not really like, yeah, basically we didn't think that it would happen as quick as what it did because then I got pregnant in the February. So it was kind of like, it wasn't not planned, but it wasn't planned, planned. <laughs> I think we just, it, it was, it was a bit of a shock. Um, and yeah, it was good. Obviously it was a great shock, but also I think like we just weren't prepared at all. We just weren't really expecting it. We thought that it would have taken ages and, um, but yeah, very blessed that it did happen the way it did. And how did you find out? Did you have a low period or did you feel, did you feel it? Yeah, tell me how you found out. Yeah, so I had, my period had been late by just like a few days. But actually before that, I remember talking to my mum and talking about like how um, I was like, yeah, I've had like this really weird period this month. Like it's literally just like lasted like a day or two and then went away. It was like really light bleeding. And my mum was like, mm, that's implantation bleeding. And I was like, no, no, that's not what it is. Um. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And then mm. um, I'd been really, really tired. Um, and yeah, I, I remember like literally waking up from like this really long nap. Like I'm always tired. Anybody that knows me will tell you that I'm tired all the time. And I, I always would have just napped whenever I wanted. Um, so I'd been really tired and yeah, had a really long nap one afternoon and woke up and was just like, this tiredness is not normal. Like there's something seriously wrong with me. Um, and I think I had gone on to Google and I'd been having like kind of like period cramps for a few days, but wasn't getting a period, which I thought was weird as well. And I remember like one of the things that came up was like, oh, you could be pregnant. And I was like, there's no way. Like, I didn't even know that that was a symptom of pregnancy. Like that makes no sense. Um, and yeah, then the next thing I, um, I, I remember walking in from Tesco's with the test and just like saying, I walked into my husband who was sitting playing FIFA and I was like, I'm just away. I have to take a pregnancy test here. And he was like, I right, okay. Cause you know, like how many times like yeah. you're all <laughs> yeah, I'll maybe take a test just in case. So like both of us like weren't expecting anything of it. Like um there was no kind of like build up to prepare us because mm. um I remember being absolutely raging because I had half a bottle of wine in the fridge and I was like, why did I not just finish that before taking the test? <laughs> um but yeah, so then yeah, it was positive and got the shock of our lives. Um I went down and told my husband he was just like no way like no way there's there's absolutely no way like you're, you're lying so I took then another like three or four tests I think then I went down and got the I remember like literally my husband was like well you're gonna have to take another one like pee again pee. And I was like Brian I have no like water left in my system so I was like he was like handing me cupfuls of water to like down it and um yeah so I'd taken a few few tests and then we took the one of like the clear blue ones and told me how many it was and it was like five or six five or six weeks I think from that moment on we were like we were literally just in disbelief for kind of quite a while um we told my family um we told my parents a few days later we had our we had we booked an appointment to see the doctor um and then we wanted to wait until that appointment before we told people so it was like I think it was like two days I think we found out on the Tuesday and we went on the Friday um and yeah I remember so my parents um were living in in Japan at the time um so um everything was like through FaceTime so I remember they had been away at like on like some like retreat weekend and I had suddenly just gotten to the stage where I was just busting to tell them like it was just like 
we need to tell them like right now. So the second, um, pretty much the second, it was like, it must've been like six o'clock in the morning, their time. I had rang them and my mum was still in bed. Uh, like as you would be at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, she was like, Julie, like she, she was like, what's going on? I was like, oh no, sorry, you're sleeping. It's fine. Like go back to sleep. And she was like, what's wrong? Like what's going on? I was like, no, no, it's okay. Like it's not important. Like, well, I'll just tell you, I'll talk to you later. And she knew then straight away. She was like, Julie, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> and um, yeah, so then we told her and like, she, I, I don't think she was, she knew from the infant, she knew from like before I did from the, the bleeding that I had had. Um, and I was just totally naive. So um, yeah, they're all very exciting, very excited. My mom started screaming so much that um, somebody had like come running into their room, like knocking on the door because they thought that she was having like a heart attack or something. <laughs> they were like, is everything okay? Because the walls were like so thin where they were staying. Um, but yeah, so then um, told our families kind of, um, I think from like that day onwards and um yeah took a wee while to tell like friends I think like I think for a while we were just like processing it well I know for me especially like I was taking quite a while to process it um I didn't feel like I think I just like I immediately felt kind of almost like a bit of dread I suppose in a way um or just maybe like panic or I don't know but um excitement at the same time I I didn't really know how I felt about it but I didn't want to tell people because I didn't want to like have people be all excited and congratulate me and talk about how exciting it was when I wasn't feeling excited myself yeah that's it um so yeah that was kind of um that was kind of it it was a lot of telling people on FaceTime and because obviously it was the middle of the pandemic at that stage um and well no was was it the middle no actually sorry that wasn't it was well yeah it was telling people yeah yeah it was literally like about two weeks before so um by the time we were starting to tell people yeah it was literally like the because I remember like my best friend having to tell her on FaceTime because we had we had had plans to meet so many times and then um like like the fear of COVID had set in and her husband was a doctor and it was like very much like right well maybe put it off well maybe and she was pregnant at the time so she was like not wanting to see anybody just in case so yeah a lot of FaceTime calls um a lot of texts to tell people as well which was never really what we pictured but um, (laughs) shots on the floor (laughs) (laughs) is he on his knees yeah 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 (laughs) trying to hide hi yeah <laughs> so don't usually let him interrupt when we're later on in the conversation because that's quite no. um so tell me when you started to feel or did you that a sense of excitement and kind of maybe the the fear of the unknown wasn't there as much or did or can you remember when that um that? Pro- honestly I think probably like once we started we did start telling people probably around like 14 to 20 weeks we kind of started telling people um and we although yeah I think I kind of always had that fear I think the whole way through but it was also like um yeah we kind of um 
I don't really know if there was a point where I was like fully excited, if that makes sense. I know that sounds terrible, but I think it just um I I was I loved being pregnant and I loved like I was constantly fascinated by like all the things that um my body was experiencing and like so many like things that I didn't know were pregnancy things and um just like the weird, wild wonderful symptoms that your body goes through and then starting to feel movement and all like I love that um and getting a bump and everything and feeling like you know seeing your belly move and I just remember always being like women's bodies are flipping incredible <laughs> like yeah they really are um so yeah I think a lot of it um so I, I said at the beginning about my parents being in Japan so I think a lot of it um I find it I found it really difficult because so my 12 week scan was um like literally like the day it was like a week a week before I was due to get my 12 week scan the restrictions had changed to say that partners couldn't come into 12 week scans um and so we had gone for a private scan at like 11 weeks um that Ryan was able to come to so that was really lovely that he was able to be there for um and then yeah so we had that and then the 12 week scan I had on my own and then the 20 week scan I was still on my own um so they and then they again they changed the restrictions again that partners were allowed to come to 12 and 20 week scans like two weeks after my 20 week scan so like I was just missing all of the um and yeah he couldn't come to any other appointments with me um like we found out the gender at the 20 week and I remember like asking them to write it on a bit of paper and they wouldn't do it they had like they were like no we can't do that we'll just have to tell you so like I had to find out on my own and then go out to the car and tell them and so there was just I think there was just a lot about the pregnancy that I suppose COVID took away a lot of excitement um and then there was a lot as well that I kind of like I wouldn't let myself get excited about like certain things like sorting a nursery or going pram shopping because um my parents were still living abroad so the whole way through like I remember my mom being like oh well like sure like the pandemic will, it'll be over by October you know like um she had planned on getting home over the summer to visit and helping me kind of start to organize things and then hopefully being home for the birth as well but um with travel and everything it didn't work out that way um and then my sister she was also living in Japan um and she had a baby there over the summer um who ended up in the NICU for seven weeks so she was needed there way more than she was needed here um so yeah it was all like it was just a very just a very strange time um looking back on it it's just so I think like this pregnancy is so different like I look at I compare it so much to things now and I'm like it's just so weird to have things a wee bit more normal mm-hmm. um yeah so anyway we were living in my mum's house and um so she had come home then and had stayed with us um and that that was just always the plan that she was going to be like obviously just living with us in her house um for like whenever the baby arrived and everything um and yeah so she was in isolation for she'd been isolating for a few days and like we had done a whole lot of like back and forth like anytime anybody sent me like any friends or anything that were sending me like whole way through the pregnancy 
like prams or car seats I was just I just I wouldn't even look at the links that they would have sent me because I was just like no I just don't want to do it I don't want to do it until my mom gets home so we were cutting it fine because it was literally like three weeks before my due date Mm -hmm. um I didn't have a pram or a car seat um but yeah we went to um I finally then one day I was like right we really need to get a pram sorted so like will we just go and my mum decided then she would come pram shopping with us but she would stay in the car she was just so terrified of like being the person to pass anything on or um so she stayed in the car and we did our research sitting at home on the sofa together beforehand and then um kind of like find a few prams that we wanted watch a whole lot of youtube videos and we would have like we went into the shops and facetimed her as we were walking around the shop and get all of it um and then like bringing things up to the window and um so yeah and got a takeaway coffee on the way home and it felt like a full like that was the experience so it was great like it was yeah yeah we made the most of it um and so if you didn't say start preparing until much later in terms of like getting the all the material bits did you start doing preparation like did you attend underneath classes um no no (laughs) okay so did you just we you were just what yeah you were waiting for for your mom where yeah I think well and like the likes of like antenatal classes and stuff I think I never really I I was never really interested in going down I, I don't know why um but it was never something that I felt like I wanted to do like I knew I know that a lot of people were really gutted about missing out on those during mm. um the pandemic but I um I think like my my sister has three kids and I think like for her like I never really saw her going to any classes and I think just everything that I like learned I learned from her and from watching and and, like if there was anything ever anything I was unsure of I would text a friend or um my sister or Mm. my mom support group yeah yeah um so I wasn't like gutted about missing the antenatal classes or anything um but yeah we did we obviously then had to order the um the pram and the car seat and everything in and they were like yeah yeah like it'll be fine you know like hopefully it it might not arrive in time but if it if you end up going early or anything we'll be able to get you one like you know there might be somebody who's um who's already ordered their pram for like may time that's sitting there so i remember being like who orders a pram that far in advance like they were like everyone (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah um yeah so that was kind of um then i obviously did end up so that's kind of the next part of the story then mm-hmm. I ended up with no pram whenever I went into labor or car seat so um yeah Do you want so to us through then yeah I suppose the the later starts uh stages of your pregnancy yes so um the last few last few weeks were kind of a bit rough um so I'm a I'm a photographer and I photograph weddings mostly and families so um I had a few weddings uh, well like the 2020 was supposed to be my busiest year at that stage um it was set to be my busiest year and then obviously with the pandemic cancelling weddings and everything and um I did a few kind of like micro weddings over the summer and people's days changed and looked a lot different um and then 
it was only really actually by the October that things were kind of starting to pick up and become a bit more normal again. Um, just kind of towards like the last, I think September time, um, I was kind of struggling quite a bit. Like pregnancy itself was grand for the most part. Um, I had pelvic girdle pain towards the end. So I was just getting physio well over the phone for that at that stage. Um, and then I had a wedding. So October, well, whenever, that was the other thing. Whenever we found out our due date, um, I was due. My due date was actually Ryan's birthday. So it was really lovely. Um, mm. and But it was also a oh shit moment because it was our busiest wedding month at that stage it was like okay um and I was just like what like what on earth do we do so I think as well like I had stress a lot at the beginning about like contacting couples and like just letting them down Mm. and then even more so whenever the pandemic hit and I was like these like these couples have already lost so much with like having to change their whole vision for their wedding and now I'm coming in and being like oh I'm really sorry but I'm pregnant I may or may not be able to do it you know but yeah, and I sent out emails to all my October couples and just explained the situation. And at that stage, my husband was doing it with me too. So um, coming up to the end, um, I had high blood pressure kind of like the last few weeks. Um, but I think I started to stress a lot about COVID at that stage. And I was so swollen. Oh my goodness. Like if you had seen the size of me, you, like people wouldn't have even recognized me. Um, there just was so much fluid everywhere. I remember like sending photos. I was actually looking earlier on um through like old text messages to see like what do I need to talk about today, mm-hmm. and like photos of like my my feet and like I would have like pre- like d- like taken videos of like me like pressing my like, finger into my leg and it just making this big dent. Like I was just so yeah so swollen. Um, and so I had one last wedding that I was planning on doing on the. Um, I kind of got into like the, the start of October and once my blood pressure was up and I was kind of up and down to the midwife about it um, I had um, I kind of decided at that stage I was like right I had this one on the 9th of October it was my sister's best friend so I really wanted to do it I was determined to do it um, and I I was like I'll, I kind of decided like the day maybe the day or two before that 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 was going to be the last one I'd had another two, I had one booked in on the 17th and one booked in, I think a few days after that. Um, but yeah, anyway, so um, I was like, like, I'm just going to send them an email this week and just say like, I'm not, it's not fair on them as well, like to have a big fat pregnant woman like hobbling around on the wedding day. Um, so yeah, so I did, I did my sister's friend's pulled myself together for that and yeah so as the day went on I just started to get quite sore and I remember um by the time the mail came around I um I started to kind of I, I went to, I remember going into the toilet during the mail and just sitting and having a cry and I can't remember I just remember being so sore but not not even knowing where I was sore or like what what the actual problem was I was just like I was just tired and yeah and um yeah and then I got home that night and my husband and my mum literally had to lift my legs into the bed um and like I just yeah it was just 
exhausted. Um, and I remember my mom saying, she was like, oh, wouldn't you hate to go into labor tonight on a night like this when you're already so tired? And my husband was like, you're not doing anything tomorrow. And like for the rest of the week, like you're putting your feet up, you're doing no more, like everything stops now. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So got into bed, got about two hours of sleep and then woke up to this big massive pop and that was my waters um so yeah then started labor um and I was I literally like I remember leaping out of the bed um like thinking that I wet myself because I thought I had just gone into such a deep sleep that I just my body just didn't care anymore yeah oh god <laughs> and uh I remember standing up and kind of like rushing myself into the bathroom and just this like gush just kept on pour- like it wasn't like in the movies where there's like this like wee balloon pops and it's like a wee tiny puddle like this I stood <laughs> stood in the bathroom and it just like poured and poured and poured like Niagara Falls I don't know how I had so much fluid in me um and so I started like shouting because at that stage apparently I'd been snoring really badly that night so Ryan had literally he said he literally got out of the bed like 15 minutes before and had gone downstairs to sleep on the sofa um I was like of course this is the night that he's not in bed beside me so I just started yelling um for him to come up he came running up and we woke up my mom I don't know how she didn't hear me yelling either um and yeah I I kind of went into like a bit of shock at that stage Mm. um I remember being like I, I don't think it, I think I was in denial as well I was like I don't think it's my waters like I'm I think I'm just I think I've maybe just wet myself and my mom came in and just took one look at me and she was like Julie like it's your waters and Ryan always talks about being to, like my mom used to be a nurse um and so it's good to have like a medical person in the family and she's um she's she interpreted for Japanese people over the years and would have like gone to a lot of hospital appointments and has been there for a lot of births. So, um, she knows a lot. (laughs) So she literally, she walked in and Ryan always talks about being so disgusted at like how my mom literally, I was just standing in this puddle and, um, she just came over and I was like, it's okay. I've just, I think I've just wet myself. It's totally fine. Like I feel totally fine. Like there's no way it's my waters. Like, so this was two weeks early. Sorry um that's why I think it was such a shock as well because I was kind of like in my head I was like right from tomorrow I can start properly preparing for the baby like that's that's whenever it's all happening um and my mum just got down on her her hunkers and put her finger through the puddle and like knew you were going to say that yeah (laughs) (laughs) like look like got brought it up on her fingers and kind of like rubbed it together and was like yeah it's your waters and Ryan was like why would you do that um so yeah she's she's gonna love me for telling that part of the story um but uh so then we um I kind of I went over and sat in the toilet and I still I just kept on leaking and leaking and leaking um and at that stage then I think I just went into shock and I sat and I literally trembled like I my legs and everything like not nothing would just I couldn't get myself to stop shaking and it was even like even like talking like my teeth were chattering and everything like it was just like um I couldn't get words out I was just like no like there's no way that this is happening um and then it was weird because I wasn't feeling anything else like I didn't have any contractions like um I didn't have any pains at all um and 
And I was like, I don't even know what, like, what do you do when your waters break? Like, do you have to ring the hospital or like, am I supposed to wait here until things start? Or, um, so we rang them anyway, just cause we weren't sure. Um, and they were like, no, like, it, so I think, I'm not sure what it's like, um, in the South, but here it's like, there's kind of like different rules for different trusts. Um, so basically like the hospital that, so I, I know of some people who have had their waters gone and haven't had to go up because they're in a different trust and that's just not their guidelines. I don't know. Um, so they had, um, they were like, no, no, like, because it's your first baby and it's your waters, like, um, it's definitely your waters have gone. Like you just come up and just get checked. So, um, I remember being so pissed off. <laughs> I just wanted to go back to bed. I was like, yeah. but I feel fine. Like, I'll just put a pad on. I'll go back to bed. Like, I just, I really need sleep. Um, and mom was like, Julie, you're not going to be sleeping tonight. So um, this was about like, I think by the time we got up to the hospital, it was maybe about three o'clock in the morning. Um, and yeah, my husband dropped me off at the doors and I went in and um, they checked me and I was one to two centimeters, I think, at that stage. Um, and I had started feeling kind of like niggly contractions in the car on the way there. Um, we always joked as well about like because the road to the hospital from our house like at our house at that time is kind of out in the countryside and they were like the bumpiest most awful roads and we always said we we're like this is going to be awful in labor um but my husband did very well with his driving he was he was very good um but yeah got there um and I was kind of like I was feeling like kind of tightenings but it was all on my back um and I remember feeling like a bit kind of period crampy but there was like by the time Ryan dropped me off there was nothing major like I remember just walking in like normal and kind of half expecting I think to be sent home as well um and then yeah they they admitted me that then I remember sitting in the bed in fetal assessment and the midwife was kind of just like pottering around and there was no like urgency but to me I was like so like like I'm in labor here like what's going on like I remember like because then I started once I was in the bed I started then within maybe like half an hour of being there um the contractions were coming a bit more frequently and um I remember like feeling the need to tell her every time I had a contraction so I was like and I remember just being like why is she just being so blase about this like obviously they do it every day but um I was just like yeah I think I think that's another one now okay that was definitely a contraction like okay yep that was definitely another one like they're coming faster and she was just obviously like yeah that's normal like you're in for a long night so um at that stage then they gave me cocodamol and um I went into the bath then yeah I went in left fetal assessment um and sat in the bath for it must have been a few hours um and just kind of started timing them on my phone um and I think it did kind of take the edge off a bit but um I always think like looking back on it it's so weird because at that stage like it was really weird for Ryan to not be there because yeah like by the time he like so he dropped me off at the doors and he wasn't allowed to come back up until I was in active labor um so he like he saw me like just like walking in and being like yeah yeah okay fine see you later and by the time he came back around like I was like by the time he was able to come in again I was totally past it and I had done like all night of labor on my own like 
Um, and I think it was just, it's just, it's just crap that COVID like robbed so many people of that part. Like, I think just your experience and all of that stuff for the first time, like, that's why I was so like, kind of like angsty with the midwife. It was kind of like. But that's what came into my head. I was like, if Ryan, if Ryan was there, he would have yeah. been there to comfort you and talk to you about yeah. these new feelings that you were having, the contractions that were getting more intense. Yeah. Because I think that was the problem. Like, I think I kind of, by the time he came around, I was just so past it. I had no, like, other than like the occasional midwife kind of dropping in to see how I was getting on. Like, there was nobody sitting there supporting me and like, like talking me through breathing or anything like that. Um, And like, even like the time that I was in the bath, like I was in there on my own the whole time. Like, obviously the midwives came in and checked every now and then, but it was kind of like, yeah, you're getting on okay. Yeah, you're doing really well. Okay, like we'll leave you to it. And then back out again um so yeah I remember just like um getting out of the bath eventually once I think things got unbearable and then um I got onto the bed and I remember just like the bed was just not comfortable like it just wasn't a nice place to be for contractions um and by that stage then I was really struggling and I think I asked them to check me again um or I must, I'd maybe ask for more pain relief or if they could check me. And they came and they were like, like, I, there was just so much, like looking back on it, there was so much I don't, I just didn't know. So they were kind of like, they came in, they checked me and they were like, yeah, you're four centimeters. Okay, let's go. Like, we'll take you around to delivery suite. I was just kind of like, like, what, like, what does that mean? Like, um, so at that stage then, this was about eight o'clock in the morning. So Ryan came up then. Um, and he like met in the cor- corridor as I was being wheeled round. Um, and yeah, like he must have seen some of difference from like the state of me at that stage. But um, yeah, went in. Our, our midwife was absolutely amazing. Um, and um, so my best friend was actually in her final few months of her midwifery training. Um so she, I had actually texted her like at like three o'clock in the morning whenever I was on my way to the hospital to say like that I was in labor because like all along, like I said, I was more than happy for her to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she had helped me so much during the pregnancy and just just an amazing person to have. Um, so she, she was actually going to be away from like, she was away from like, this was on the Saturday and she was away from the Wednesday to the Saturday um and was she was due back in that morning at like half I think her flight got in at like half eight or something and I remember her being like you keep that baby in until I get there like I'm coming straight from the straight from the airport down to the hospital so um I like I I literally text her to say I'm in labor and the next thing I remember like lying in the delivery suite laboring and looking up and she just walked through the door and I was like what are you doing here like I think it was around eight or nine um I just been kind of laboring. I, I was just so exhausted. I think by the time that Ryan had come round, um, the tiredness had just really hit in, had set in, and I had I was having Remy for pain relief. Do you have that in the, the Remy yeah, fentanyl pump thing? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just press pressing the button. Um, as like contractions come and go, but I think like I. I, I don't know what I just feel like I was just so out of it for so much of it um I remember kind of lying there and just like lying with my eyes closed for a lot of the time and the contractions were kind of coming thick and fast and um 
I I found it really difficult to use. I don't know what it, I think something about my contractions being on my back. Um, yeah. So I think I laboured for a few hours. Um, a good few hours. Well, it, it was that was kind of nine, and then I started. I think in total I was pushing for about an hour. Um, so everything I did the whole. I think, I think pretty much the whole of it the whole the whole thing in the bed on my back um there was one stage that I tried to stand um and they were like they were so good at giving me different options and everything um I tried to stand at the side of the bed but my legs were so weak at that stage that I just like I just nearly collapsed like when the contraction came my legs were just shaking and I knew that I wouldn't have been able to withhold it so I think I stood for like maybe one contraction um and maybe one contract one contraction or one push I'm not even sure I think it was a contraction um and then again I found there was a few contractions where I labored over the back of the bed you know with the back the back mm. of the bed up kind of leaning over the top of it um and I did really like that but I can't I can't even remember why I decided to lie down again I think it was just I think it was just the tiredness was just like I just literally couldn't I couldn't do anything but lie down. Um, so yeah, um, about forty-five minutes or so of pushing, um, his heart rate started to drop. Um, and they were kind of like a few times they'd said they were like like we're, um, like we're keeping an eye on his heart rate. It is starting to drop a wee bit. Like if it keeps going like this, like we really really need the baby out. So if it keeps on going like this, like you'll have to, um, like we'll have to um look at some sort of intervention and I think I just assumed that like the only intervention was a c-section and I kind of like in my head I was kind of like I had become kind of okay with that I was kind of just like just whatever it takes to get the baby out like Mm. that's fine um and then they were talking about either vacuum or forceps um because they were like you're doing really well like he's really far down like you just you just need to keep pushing and um so I I remember at that stage feeling like um like this kind of like once they so they kind of were back and forth and the the sister kept on coming in and you could hear like whispering every now and then um and they were kind of like talking amongst themselves and it was kind of like right like really need to get this baby out fast now like the heart rate was really starting to drop um so then it was kind of a bit of a panic um and I remember them every now and then they would just come over and they would have like a word with me and be like, like, we really need to get this baby out. Like, um, we'll give you like one or two more pushes and then we're going to have to call the doctor. Um, and basically like on the last push that I had done, the heart rate went way down and they were like, look, we're going to have to bring the doctor in now. Like, um, like, are you okay with that? And that was fine. Like I looked at Ryan, he was okay with it. And I think as well, it was weird because Although it was all like very like fast paced and there was, it was. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Becoming an emergency, I remember feeling like this weird sense of peace. Um, I don't know if it was because of just like having Lizzie there or having um, like just kind of like the ap- just the atmosphere that had been made. It was just I just kind of had gotten to the stage where I was just like I just trust these people that are around me and I just they know what's best. And um, so yeah, they came in and I do. The only thing I remember thinking at one stage was. And whenever they were, every time I was pushing towards the end and they were telling me that I was doing really, really well, I remember thinking they're lying. They're all just telling me this because like they, that's what they need, like they need to do for me to keep going. But I remember thinking like, I I never, like I've heard of people talking about like during labor, like feeling like those surges and like feeling, um, like feeling the baby kind of move down Mm. And I never felt that. I don't, I feel like I wasn't very in touch with my body at that stage. Um, so I remember just being like, I just feel like I was pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing was happening. And although they were like, oh yeah, you're doing really, really well. 
I remember I just didn't believe it at all. And I was just thinking they just they're just telling me that because they have to. But like really, like something's wrong here. Um so anyway, the doctor came in and um I had the forceps then and I also I think I had a, an episiotomy and um then it was basically like one pull of the forceps and um one pull as I was pushing and the baby was out and that was it. Um and it was kind of like that disbelief of like like really? Is it like are you sure? Um but yeah, um it was all quite uh, like he was fine as soon as he came out and he was put straight up onto my chest um, and I remember looking down at him and saying that he looked just like my sister mm-hmm. <laughs> which still to this day like nobody agrees with me they're like I don't know where where you see that at all um, but yeah I just remember like just kind of as soon as he was put on my chest just feeling that kind of like kind of like I've done it I'm exhausted like I just want to be done and just like I remember being happy for people to just take him and they were obviously doing the, the weight and everything and cleaning him up and then um Ryan then took him for a while um because he I then had to go to theater so I'd had a 3A tear um so uh, but I, I remember just being really happy for somebody else to hold him Okay. But I think it was just that I was just so exhausted. Exhausted, I, yeah. I felt like really like in a way like really unprepared for it. Um, even though like I know that I had labored like it had been like about a twelve hour labor and I think about six hours of active labor. So it was actually quite good. It was quite fast. Um I think that I was just so like not mentally prepared for him being there yet. Um You didn't have a breather like that the, the breather that you were expecting like I'm sure you went to bed thinking oh this is it now this is my mat leave yeah. and then you were just yeah no yeah this yeah he had other plans um so yeah so went to theater um and whenever I came back then um I think Ryan had still been holding him for a good while um I had I think in between all this somewhere I had fed him I think I maybe gave him a quick feed before theatre. Um, but then they were quite like adamant that I had to go to theatre quite quickly because then I was having quite a lot of bleeding. Okay. Um, so um whenever I came back I so for theatre I'd had the spinal then, um, which kind of feels like a bit of a waste once you've done like the whole of labor with like no epidural, no spinal, and then you come out after being stitched up and you're like paralyzed from your chest down um but um yeah again like I at that stage just felt I was just really unwell and um really tired and I just had like I was happy for Ryan just to sit there and hold him and I was happy to just um watch him from a distance um and then uh the they had come in, the nurses had come. I was I was in the delivery suite like for a really long time. Um, like they brought me back around to that that same room. And the good thing was that even though like obviously Ryan wasn't able to be there for the start for the first part, because I did have to go to theater and because things had kind of like taken a bit of a turn, he was able to stay. So he ended up getting to be there like pretty much all day in the end. Um 
because I wasn't back around to the ward until about 10 o'clock that night. So that was whenever then he was leaving. Um, so it was really good that he got to have that time. And um, it was just really good to have him there because I don't know what I would have done if I was back on the ward from like straight after and on my own. Um, but yeah, so they came back and they had checked, they had lifted the covers and checked me after the surgery. And um, they were like, okay, you've had quite a bit of blood loss. Um, and then the next thing, like the nurses were kind of like, uh, the midwives and the sister were kind of, back and forth and there was a bit of like running about and then they came back in they were like okay we need to do a procedure here um she was like you've had quite a bit of blood loss um and we I can't even really remember them like explaining it I, I think I was I was still so out of it I think that I think with how much Remy I had I was just so um kind of just foggy but I think as well like I just look back and I think the exhaustion had like such a big part to play mm-hmm. how I just was not functioning. Um, so basically they said that they, they were like, look, we need to do a procedure here. Like we need to get these clots out. Um, and I was kind of just like, right. I had no idea what to expect at that stage. I kind of was just like, yeah. Okay. And they were like, do you want gas and air? And I remember thinking like, why, why would I need gas and air? Um, Cause it, like at this stage I had the spinal as well. So like I was still technically a bit numb. Um, but I was kind of like, oh, if they're offering gas and air, I'll take it. Like, that stuff's great. So um, I took the gas and air. And basically, the so one of the midwives had to, had to like, lean on top of my stomach with her hands and press down really, really hard, while the other one had to basically manually remove clots from my, from my womb. Um, and it was absolute, like, I can't even explain, like, to this day it was excruciating and I remember like um like hyperventilating as they were doing it and I remember thinking that Ryan was like just sitting there holding Zeke beside us and um like just thinking like this must be traumatizing for him but um I remember in that moment thinking that I was gonna die and just being like I've never ever fainted before like ever I've always wondered like what's it like to faint until then so and I think so I remember just literally like like going into like this like zone and like lying my head back looking up closing my eyes and seeing stars and then just like passing out and um and I could hear them it was really really weird because I could hear everybody talking around me um and I could hear them like like kind of like everything went kind of like echoey and I could hear them call my name and trying to bring me round but like I just couldn't like it was the weirdest experience of just not being able to respond or function. Um, so at that stage, then I remember like once I came around, they were like, oh, like, ah, thank you, baby. Just had a wee bit too much gas and air. And I was like, that wasn't the gas and air. Mm. Like, It was I don't know if it was a mixture of the blood loss or just like the literal like the pain. Mm. I think it was kind of I think it was so I think it was worse because like you go through labor and you like you finally you finish labor and you think like right that's it that's the that's the worst part done like I've birthed a baby the pains like I've had the worst part of the pain that's it over and then for like a few hours later to go through that like excruciating pain again um it was just horrendous so yeah they they were like oh I think you maybe just had a wee bit too much gas and air um and I was like no I definitely had just passed out because I was in so much pain um 
So yeah, I still to this day say that that part for me was worse than the actual birth itself. Not long after that, then I was um I was put back on the ward. Um, Zeke he hadn't he wasn't well. He had actually had a temperature after birth, and I had, I had spiked a temperature after birth. So we were both put on antibiotics. Um, and they didn't really know like what it was or why, but um, and then he was also quite jaundice. Um, so that was kind of the start of um the pressure to feed and like you know really need to get like really need to get fed and um but anyway I went back to the ward the first night um I remember actually like I don't know if it was maybe that Zeke had been kind of like a bit drugged up or maybe like a bit traumatized from it all as well but I remember he actually slept like quite well like I, I wasn't expecting I was expecting him to wake up way more um and I remember at like four o'clock in the morning um and so so annoyed I remember just being so annoyed like that says you just want to be left alone but obviously mm. they have to do their obs and everything all night and um and I remember being so pissed off every time somebody would come around and want to take your blood pressure or um um I was kept in then a few days after that um well he was born on the Saturday afternoon and then I was kept in until the Monday um so I had all day Sunday um basically it was because I think because I I still was like spiking temperature up and down he was spiking a temperature up and down and because he was jaundice um and also then because I had lost a lot of blood so I had to stay in to get a blood transfusion as well yeah I I really really pushed to get home then um because at that stage the visiting was once a once a week so Ryan was able to be there like it was great he was able to be there the whole labor and then the Sunday he was able to come up for his visit and then we were hoping then that I would get home on the Monday and that would be like obviously he wouldn't need to come up and visit because I'd be going home so um that was how it worked out which was great um yeah then we kind of started our journey into life at home and um that was a whole other roller coaster in itself. Um, so I had been home about so feeding um like was way more difficult than what I ever I know everybody always said it was difficult, but um I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, I knew that I wanted to breastfeed, but I and I was kind of just like I got to the stage where I was like, I really, really want to keep feeding, but I don't know why. Like I, I didn't know why. Yeah. Like I had, I wasn't like totally against formula, um, but I, I didn't want to do it, but I didn't really have any reason for not doing it, um, so, yeah, um, it was great being at home. My with my mum being in there, it was absolutely incredible as well because, um, like she was able to help, and I think like literally the first few days that I was home, um, Ryan and my mum like literally took it and I think we all knew that I wasn't well um and Ryan and my mum literally took it in turns to like um to bring like up to me for a feed so like they would be like right you go up and try and get some sleep and then every time you needed fed they would like bring him in and it got like it got to the stage then where it was like I think this was it maybe not the first few days but within like the first week it got to the stage where like they would have both been at any time you needed fed 
they would both like look at each other and have the argument of like right who's breaking this tour like who's going to break the news because whenever they would bring him up to for me to feed him I literally would just sit and cry and I was just like and I don't know I don't know what it was I think I just yeah I just I wasn't enjoying it I wasn't enjoying feeding um and I was just I was just so unwell um but yeah anyway I finally invited um my two of my friends around uh on the 16th and they came and sat for like an hour or two and I just remember as they were there my mum said that I was just going wider and wider and wider and I was um just feeling really unwell um and then I went up to the toilet and passed this massive clot um so rang for the assessment and they were like no you need to come up so they admitted me at that stage um and again I had to have another procedure where I had to have a an internal exam which after stitches is not pleasant at all um and they had said that there was like still that there was clots basically in my womb and that I needed to pass them so they gave me like a medication to pass them so Zeke was able to be in hospital with me at that stage um and he um yeah at that stage that so that was the first time I was readmitted um and it was weird because so literally I was kept in overnight basically for them to basically see if these tablets were going to work or not and they're it's really really weird I don't even know what the medication is but it's like four tablets you have to take and they they make you so cold and like your whole body just goes into shivers and it, it was just horrendous having to sit there and having to try like I remember trying to feed Zeke but like literally like not even being able to pick him up because I was shaking so much um and this is just like apparently a nor- normal side effect um that night then it was just I remember it just being like literally the night from hell because um the um there was a midwife that ca- had come in and basically they just they just started putting loads of pressure on me about how like jaundice Zeke was and like his weight had dropped which all babies do like in the, especially breastfed babies in those first few days um and I remember like knowing myself that I, I remember being like I know that he's okay like I know that my baby's okay I don't feel like there's anything wrong with him um but even, so even though I had been re- I had been readmitted for me and Zeke was only there because I was feeding him like mm-hmm. if I wasn't feeding him he would have been at home um this midwife came in and just like obsessed over over Zeke and over me feeding him and like they brought out like the you know like the sheets where you have to like record like how much you fed how long you fed for and what side and um how many wet nappies how many dirty nappies and um and basically like had me up all night like she then like that she had then started really pushing formula at one stage and it was like I literally it was like every time I had stopped feeding him she would come in again and be like okay we'll try feeding him again I was like I literally stopped like half an hour ago like there's nothing left um and then she started really pushing formula and I remember just sitting crying and somebody else coming in and I was like I just feel so under pressure like I I had the midwife for some reason had had me I had been feeding him for so long and then they brought in like the two of the electric like breast pump machines and then had me pumping um on both sides <laughs> like I was literally being milked like a cow um I was like pumping for ages and I remember then just being so exhausted and 
somebody came in to check on me and I just sat and I sobbed and I was just, and I at that stage as well I think that that was like the baby blues had hit um it was that like my milk had definitely just come in because she had said to me she was like like what, what's going on I was like I just feel like so much pressure to give him formula I don't want to give him formula but I don't know why I don't want to give him formula and like I feel like he's okay and I'm here for me not for him but everybody's just become obsessed about his feeding and um she was like okay um like well like she's like well well let, let, let's see like what have you been expressing there like you've been pumping like what have you got and she looked at this bottle and I had I had expressed this is on day um day six. I had expressed this is after already feeding him all night. I'd expressed 80 mils, which I think is like what two ounces. Mm. It was like a full, like big, massive, and like she was like, Is this like is this what's just come out of you? And I was like, Yeah, like sobbing through her tears. She was like, she was like, that's amazing. Like, that's a lot of milk. Like, you know, that's something to be really, really proud of. And I was like, but it's not enough. And she was like, that is enough. Like, it's okay. Like, that'll tie him over. Like, um, yeah. And I just don't know. Like, that was just, that hosp- that stay was absolutely horrendous. Again, I got out the next, I think I was only in, like, overnight. I got out the next day. And I just, it was the same thing again. I was like, I need, I'm not going to thrive in here. I need to get home. Like, I can't. Because then they were going to keep me in because of the feeding. And I was like, that's not even why I was yeah. admitted. Um, and I was like, look, I I need to just be at home and learn how to get the grips of breastfeeding myself. Um, and I remember getting home that night and like chatting with like my mum and my husband about it. And um, my mum was like, look, like, what is it about? For-? Like, do you want to try a bottle of formula? And I was like, well, yeah, I suppose. Like, I don't know why. I don't want to um and we gave him then a bottle of formula that night and oh my goodness the relief that it like it was just like this like huge weight lifted off my shoulders I was like I don't know why mm. I didn't want that I was like we can't tell that midwife that I had I've given him formula because <laughs> she put so much pressure on me and I was like nope I'm not doing it I'm not doing it um so yeah basically then from then we he only really had like a bottle he had a bottle of formula pretty much every night then and it was kind of just something to give me a break and to tie him over for a few hours in the evening um and I still breastfed alongside it and it was just it worked really really well um yeah so I everything from then was okay well I was a week after that not even a week um on the 21st then which actually would have been his due date um and was Ryan's birthday we were kind of like right let's finally like we'll get out we'll do something today um so we ventured out and went for a walk somewhere um and during the walk I remember walking along and just feeling like this like um gush and I said to Ryan I was like I think we were in the middle of this like forest somewhere with like no public toilets or anything well actually probably did have public toilets but everything was closed because of COVID um and I said to Ryan, I was like, I think I've just passed a blood clot. And he was, and I, again, just went white, just felt really, really like sick again. And um, so we had to, we drove to like the closest shop. I went into the toilet and I could, I could literally feel it. Like it's awful, but I could literally feel it sitting the whole way. Um, and I went into the toilet and, and literally there was a blood clot, like the size of my fist. It was absolutely massive. Um, so again I had to be readmitted again 
I had to have that awful cervical examination again. Um, they had to try and manually remove it again. And um, which, yeah, when you have stitches, it's just not pleasant. I remember actually them saying to me, um, they were like, look, if, you, if we can't do this, like if we can't get it out ourselves, like you'll have to go for surgery. I was like, that's fine. Put me like, will I be out for the surgery? And they were like, yeah, like it's it was basically a DNC. And I was like, then do it because I'm not going through this again. So um I they gave me the tablets and the tablets didn't pass at that time. So they ended up then having to do a DNC. Um and yeah, that was kind of that was my last hospital stay, which was great. Um, but yeah, it was quite a whirlwind of the first two weeks. Um very hard to like settle into newborn life being in a hospital um but good to get home <laughs> and how did you feel so obviously I'd say you're still on tantra hooks for a couple of weeks wondering was I suppose the surgery kind of made did it give you a sense of relief that okay well they would have got whatever if there was anything left over they would have just got it there and then yeah um I actually I think I actually I was looking through messages earlier to see like um just kind of like put a timeline together because you forget mm. that. and um I because I had been on antibiotics I think they'd have me on antibiotics as like a precaution from like birth I was basically on antibiotics for like the first three weeks okay um and yeah it was kind of so I think they kind of assumed that it was some sort of infection but um they had um I text my friends and it was literally like I think a few days after the surgery um the bleeding had like had really really decreased and I just felt so much more human and mm-hmm. um I was on iron tablets and everything as well because my hemoglobin had been really low after um but yeah I remember even like saying because at that stage the midwives they came the midwife came out for the first visit and um then for like you were expected to have the midwife out to your house for the first visit and then for any more you had to go in to the like to see the midwife in the hospital um or in the GP surgery and I remember like that day walking in I think this was before I was readmitted um I remember walking in to see the midwife and like just she even said herself she was like you're so not well like you shouldn't be here like I'm coming out to you the next time um, and I ended up being then under the midwife's care for like a good few weeks after um, just because of like the readmissions and everything. They were kind of keeping an eye. But I remember like even them doing the, the whenever they went in to do like the wee heel prick test, um, like falling asleep on the seat whenever I was in for the appointment. And just, I literally couldn't walk. And I was so like, with my hemoglobin being so low, mm, yeah. I was so breathless and just like, you just feel so unhuman for so long um so yeah that was just kind of it was a it kind of took a good few weeks to kind of feel any sort of normality I suppose um so yeah after after that my mom had actually so she was there in total with us for eight weeks which was absolutely incredible but then whenever she left when he was eight weeks old it was like what the heck do we do now because she was such a great help um and um in the I think I I always knew that my my mood wasn't great um but I think I just like I think we all kind of kept on putting it down to like 
I just hadn't I just hadn't been well and it had been like it was quite a the birth was quite a lot and mm. it was kind of yeah there was a whole lot of factors um and then I had a wedding whenever I had a wedding booked in for whenever Zeke was four weeks old and I remember telling the community midwife about this whenever she had come around she was kind of like asking about work and stuff and I was like yeah yeah like I'm um I've a wedding here he's gonna be four weeks old like and she was just like wait what like you're you're doing what and I was like yeah like I'm, I'm, I'll see how I am but she's like but Julia you've been really unwell and like um but then it was it didn't even become like about me being unwell it was kind of like like what are you going to do about breastfeeding and I was like well I have it all planned out like um I was going to bring a cooler and I was going to bring a pump and Ryan was going to drive and I was going to pump on the way from the ceremony to the reception and take pumping breaks and um and she's like but you know like even like leaving your child like whenever he's just four weeks old like he really needs you and like that's a long day to be away and um I remember just like she was just she made me feel absolutely horrendous about it and I like I had been looking forward to kind of almost having I I was like I'm not going to do it if I don't feel well like I know that I haven't been well but like by the time I got to four weeks I did feel well enough to do it um but um yeah I remember like at that stage just feeling absolutely horrendous because she was just like like you're just like you can't like you can't do that like it was just kind of it was just this huge amount of guilt of like and then I remember her then passing that on to the health visitor and the health visitor like bringing it up with me and being like so like you're doing a wedding and like I I hear like you know like are you sure that that's a good idea and um like you know your baby really needs you at that time and and I just remember feeling absolutely horrendous and thinking like these people like I'm these people think I'm a horrible person like it was just yeah so there was a few kind of factors like over the first few months that um like I would I was really really emotional like I know that I like I think for a long time like the I would have cried every time I had to feed Zeke and um whenever anytime he was crying or upset like I remember there was times where I would literally just go into like this like he is of like I would just zone out and I just couldn't I just couldn't parent um but it wasn't until about four months on um there was actually a an incident where he ended up in hospital with carbon monoxide poisoning um so basically we were it, we the house that we were living in um the boiler broke so it was like february it was absolutely freezing cold and um I was like, right, I need, I remember like wrapping him up and everything that I possibly could. I mean, like I need to get heat into this child. So there was a fire place in the front room, but I didn't realize it hadn't been lit in like years. Um, so I sat in the front room with him all day. Um, just kind of like kept us cozy by the fire, kept wrap, wrapping us up. And um, as the day went on, my, my brother-in-law had come down to like have a look at the boiler to see if there was something he could do. And I remember like putting Zeke out on the sofa to change his nappy and there was like black soot all up around his nostrils. And um I was like, is oh, is that that's not normal? <laughs> um and then like wiped my own nose and there was black soot up my nose. And um so whenever my brother 
my brother-in-law had come in to the room that we were in the smoke alarm had gone off um whenever he opened the door so I like literally had him in this room of like that was filling with smoke obviously without me realizing um pretty much all day and um yeah I remember then I rang rang my mum was like like what should I do like is this okay like he seems fine like like there's nothing out of the ordinary with him he had had his injections that day so it was hard to know like if he was out of sorts as well because of that um and I rang Delriada and they were like no like you need to take him up to A&E because of his age and um and we were taken whenever we got up we were taken straight through to recess and I was like what is going on like because he wasn't like unwell at all Mm. like he was really fine um but they said so because he was like warm and his cheeks were rosy but his hands and feet were freezing um that it was like a real concern and the next like they the next thing they had us in the recess room with like there was like 10 people around like we were literally ushered straight in from triage through to recess there was like 10 people around us there was people like doctors coming and going there was they were putting an oxygen mask on him they were putting like one of those like insulated blankets over him and it was just like like it was just this total yeah it was totally surreal but in between all this the this doctor kept on coming up to me and being like so what talk me through what happened again and and like she kept on asking me the same questions over and over again um and I, I remember being like she she thinks that I've like I've done something like they're this is like a social services thing like they're going to take my baby off me like they think that I've done this on purpose and it was like they were just trying like to get the story straight but they were they kept asking me the same thing over and over as if they were like trying to like catch me out on like a lie and um yeah it was just awful he was he was admitted that night and he was basically just kept on um oxygen all night and they said that there was like slight carbon monoxide levels in his um in his system so it just had to be like flushed out um and yeah I think that was probably the kind of from between that and like just so many different kind of factors at the time um I I I knew then that like my mood was so like that was it was kind of like you're a failure like you're literally you put your child in this like place of harm and um yeah I think then after that was kind of like when I realized that my I wasn't really quite right um I think Ryan and my mum at the beginning like they had they had talked to me a few times about maybe like talking to somebody or like, do you think maybe you're a wee bit, like, you're abnormally low or, um, and I always, like, shook off. I was never honest with anybody looking back on it. Um, but I think that, like, that situation with Zeke was maybe, like, the, with, like, the final kind of triggering point of, like, um, no, like, there's something wrong here. So, um, I finally, I went to the doctors and they prescribed, or they, um, they, had put it down as postnatal depression and um I was put on sertraline and referred to counselling at the time um and yeah it was like, like a huge and I, I remember like my friend te- like texting my friend who was a midwife and telling her and she was like um like do you feel better like now that you've gone and yeah. you've done that and I was like no I feel awful like I feel like I failed like that 
get having a name put on it of like it was just like this kind of like you've you haven't managed all this time like you've thought you've been coping but you haven't been and it was kind of like admitting defeat in a way um so yeah um the counsel and referral came through quite quickly but it was cbt and it was over the phone Mm. um and it was just really like um so unnatural like yeah it's hard to have those conversations over the phone you can't see you need to see someone's face for those conversations yeah Yeah. and like it was like a 30 it was the first one was like a 20 minute phone call and and I remember the girl literally just like asking me these questions and um I I have a I had a counselor that I had planned I was like oh I'll maybe I'll probably just go to him um I'd been to him before and then once this came through so fast, I was like, "Oh, would you know? What? I've never done CBT before. I'll, I'll do that." Um, but I'm actually, I, I'm actually training. I'm, I did my degree in counselling. Okay. Um, I'm all for counselling. I like, I'm its biggest advocate. Um, I've used counselling myself, but like, it just did not work for me. Like, it was just like, um, and that's why I say to people like, any any of my friends that ever talk about going to counselling, I'm, I'm always like please 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 give it another chance like if you if you go to a counselor and like you don't enjoy it or like like give it a few sessions Mm. and if after a few sessions it doesn't work like try a different type of therapy because like it's not a one-size-fits-all thing um and I knew that myself but I remember like her literally like like having like the I, I I had all this stuff like I wanted to sit and talk about how like when my baby was crying at night I wanted to shake him and like didn't like didn't want to respond respond to him or was a zombie and couldn't get out of bed and and instead of that she would like start the session and be like okay so let's talk about your childhood and I was like I don't have time for this like my childhood's not the problem like it was kind of like let's let's go back to the beginning and what was your life like at school and I just remember being like like literally sitting on the other end of the phone, like rolling my eyes and being like, "What? Like, why is she asking me these things?" Um, and like that's not to say that it doesn't work for other people, but it didn't work for me at that time in that scenario. Um, and like I remember literally, like she was just like, it was I could I almost felt like she was sitting with a piece of paper and a checklist. Yeah. And at the end of the phone call, she was like, "Okay, yeah, like I'll 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 ring you again next week, same time." Um. She's like, so yeah, like it was kind of like, so just before we go, like any suicidal thoughts, and like just like said it like so casually, like uh, that, and, like mm. at the end of like a phone call, like okay, yeah, no problem, right, bye, see you later. Just like it was just the most bizarre. So after that, I was just like, no, I'm just gonna. So I went to um, I went to the counselor that I've been to before, and yeah, like I just felt it really, really helped. Um, the medication helped I wasn't on it a super long time um, and I think like as they got older things just got easier and I just felt um, I'm just I'm not a newborn person I'm like I, I dread I dread that stage again because I know that I didn't do the newborn phase well um, but um, yeah it's hard going <laughs> But you had you went through so much even before he arrived into your world. Yeah, it was 
about a year. <laughs> mm. And how do you feel about giving birth again in March? Um, weirdly positive. Mm. So, and like that was something I always said from the beginning. Like I remember, I think as well, like those first few days after, like um, after birth, feeling like almost like a like I failed, like I've had, I had to get an intervention. Like, and I know that that's not the case at all, but mm. it was kind of like, um, just those thoughts of like, you, like you couldn't push a baby out yourself. You had to get help. And, um, and I, but I remember like from the beginning, even though like, even though I know the whole experience was awful, I remember thinking like, no, I'd, I'm, I'd still do it again because I'd like to try and do it better next time. Like there was so much that I would do differently. Um, and like, I know like this time I'm like, I'm taking, I have my last wedding on the 31st of December and I'm doing nothing for January and February. Like I'm just yeah, going to cool. take, yeah. I'm going to rest. I'm going to enjoy the last few weeks with Zeke while it's just him. Um, and yeah, just properly prepare. Um, I've been like looking at hypnobirthing and, um, and so many like, um, at all my appointments like literally every every appointment that I've been to and every like midwife and doctor or nurse I've seen they've just assumed that I'd want to c-section um and I was just like like each time I'm like no no like I, I want to do it naturally again they're like oh right okay like good for you but I think it's because like because of the tear and because I gone to physio afterwards um I gone to physio for about um almost a year actually um but again, like, I was just like, no, like, I'm still, I feel like it could, could go better the next time. Um, and yeah, I have had, uh, like, I haven't been totally naive, like, all along. I've been like, yeah, at the minute I feel fine about it, but I know that I might not always feel fine about it and kind of towards the end. And I have had, like, the occasional kind of, like, nightmare where I just, like, I, I know all the things that I don't want. Mm. Um, but I um I, I and I've had like kind of a phase over the last few few weeks where I've started to really stress about the the postpartum hemorrhaging that I had and I'm like what if I just bleed out this time um so this time I'm consultant led so and at the first consultant led appointment I had he was like okay well it'll probably happen again so we'll just whenever you go into labor we'll have like transfusion bags for you on standby I was like I know that you're saying that to try and make me feel better, but that just terrifies me because like the fact that you think that I'm going to need it. Um, so I think like, yeah, I feel most of the time I feel okay. I feel positive. I'm, I really want to try the hypnobirthing. I was actually halfway through my hypnobirthing book whenever I went into labor. And I remember the night, that, the night that um I went into labor, I remember turning around to Ryan and being like, here, would you pack that book in my bag? And he was like, Julie, what do you think you're going to have time to read? It's I was like, sweet like, book, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to try and like get all the last minute tips in. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm going to do a few hypnobirthing classes and stuff this time. Um, and yeah, just hoping to kind of, yeah, I feel positive about it. I just mm, yeah, have cool. a few worries and concerns, but um, I think that like, those will probably just always be there. But I think I'm, um, going to try my best to kind of stay positive about the whole thing 
Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's this is going to be a really important conversation for everybody to hear, um, even if it's not something they've experienced themselves, but to help support others. And I think a really important thing that you've pointed out is um, if you don't find what you're looking for in um, with a GP or with a counsellor, keep going to find that person that can help you because it, that's really important. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. I really appreciate it. There's been a lot of it this week um, and I know I've slowed down on the Instagram front. It's just finding the balance and to me, putting out the episodes is more important than um, keeping up with Instagram. So that's that's what I'm doing. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.